Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where warriors are shaped. I'm your host, Danny Temras, and it is my personal mission to help you awaken your warrior spirit. Fearless Warrior isn't the one who has no fear. It is a warrior who stays with the fight no matter the struggle, fear, or circumstances. The real warriors have the discipline, grit, and tenacity to chase their dreams and stay on their path. Are you one of them? Tune in and learn from the warriors of today and start carving out the warrior within. According to the Gallup research on employee engagement in 2020, only 36% of U.S. workers are actually actively engaged. That's only a little over a third. Two-thirds are either disengaged or actively disengaged, meaning actively voicing other frustrations and spreading negative energy. Now let's put this into perspective. If only a third of workers are engaged on an average basis, how do leaders need to think differently about running their companies and leading their teams? What does a healthy and pouring culture look like? And flip it to the other side and think about what you as an individual need to do if you find yourself in a toxic environment or stuck with a job that doesn't provide growth nor fulfillment. Emily Quickly was exactly in this situation a little over three years ago when she worked as a marketing analyst in Kansas City. Being tired of feeling lost, missing the challenge of growing, she started seeking new possibilities for herself. Being smart and data-driven professional, she learned about data science through her friend, and after a thorough examination of her wants and desires, she decided to quit her job and move to Denver to complete a three-month data science bootcamp. Fast forward till today, Emily has been a data scientist for over two years at a multi-billion dollar San Francisco-based company and develops projects using optimization algorithms, machine learning, and statistics. In this episode, Emily and I talk about her path of breaking into tech, how she went from being lost and frustrated in her career to finding a new path for herself and making it a reality. We discuss what data science is and how you can get into data science even if you don't hold a computer science degree. We talk about the steps you need to take to identify the right role for yourself and the principles you can apply to reach career fulfillment. Outside of that, we dive into misconception of job hopping, how to ace job interviews, and so much more. If one of your goals for 2021 is to change careers, switch jobs, or find a more fulfilling way to grow, then is this episode is for you. So let's get ready. We're about to begin. Emily, welcome to the Fearless Warrior podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Yes. Thank you, Daniela. I'm super excited to be here and looking forward to some great conversation. Me too. So Emily, I briefly shared a little bit about your background, but I would love for you to share a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So um, just kind of in short, I'm a data scientist and I live in Denver. So we'll talk more about the career in a moment, but just a little bit more about me personally. I love um, just all the activities in the mountains, um, hiking, mountain biking, snowshoeing, snowmobiling. Um, I've just had a great time since moving to Denver and just um, being out in the mountains exploring and just kind of letting loose uh, compared to the computer work that I do during the week. So it's been a great time. 
Nice, nice. Snowshoeing definitely sounds super interesting. I personally have never done that. <laughs> How is that? Yeah, it's so fun. Um, it's kind of funny because you're hiking through the snow and um, you can stick your pole in and it just goes like three feet deep and you realize how deep of snow you're actually walking on. But it's so fun. It's just kind of like a little winter wonderland out there in the snow and the mountains. Nice. I definitely need to try that. Colorado has been on my list. So I'll let you know when I'm coming <laughs> you know, your way. Yes, I'll show you a good time, I promise. <laughs> awesome. Today we have such an exciting topic to talk about. Uh, so um, you got into tech several years ago, and right now you hold a great position at Autodesk, a very prominent company. And it's a field, right? It usually isn't very well represented by women. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about your experience of becoming a data scientist. Even if you could explain what is a data scientist for those who are not familiar with that role. Yeah, that's a great place to start. So data science is, it's a broad field, but basically what I do every day is I'm coding all day, every day, and um, I'm using Python. That's the number one language for data science. And like I said, it's a broad field. So this encompasses some data engineering work, some statistics, heuristic rule modeling, which might be writing logic, like if this, then this type scenario, And then my favorite, which is machine learning. And really what machine learning is, is taking past history, past data, and processing that and applying it to a statistical model so that we can predict future events or future performance. That's great. So tell me more about how, how did you get into data science? It's kind of a long story. Starting back in Kansas City, I was working as a marketing analyst and I was just so unfulfilled. You know, that feeling when you just, you're not accomplishing your potential and there's some level of frustration you experience. So I went through this period of my life for maybe about a year and a half um, of just being like unhappy, unfulfilled. And I just knew that if I found my passion, I could take off. Like I could actually do something and feel successful about myself but I needed to find my passion. And I just had that strong feeling inside that that was the key that was missing. And so what I started to do was just paying attention to what I was Googling. I was working in Excel and doing sort of an analytics role, but what I was Googling, I found out was um, related to data, but more sophisticated stuff like reading about databases. And so I just had this curiosity And paying attention to what I was Googling like helped me understand that about myself. So I started diving into that a little bit more and I became friends with people on the business intelligence team at work. So they're dealing with data encoding and SQL. And I started to kind of inch into this field, this new data field of like sophisticated data is what I would call it back then. So I got into SQL, started learning that, and had the opportunity to do it at work, which was really awesome. And then I had people that helped me and could answer questions and kind of help kickstart me and get going. So I did some automating reports, and I was like, okay, I think I want to be a business intelligence developer. So the funny thing is I, I ordered this book, a SQL certification book that I was going to study and um, get certified, and it came in the mail. And Daniela, this thing was like, three inches thick of just <laughs> data stuff, just nerd stuff. And I was like, no, 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 I can't do that. So something still didn't click entirely. Like I knew I was in this data field and I was like getting closer, but 
still something was missing. So eventually, about six months later, I asked the one data scientist at work who was a female. And I was like, hey, can I take you out to lunch and just kind of like learn about what you do? She was so nice. So we just went out to lunch, had a great chat. And she told me all about like what she does, how she got into the field. And I have to say there's something so nice. I felt more comfortable since it was another woman. She's about my age rather than talking to a guy about it. Like there's just a level of comfort that was there. And so she explained to me, she went to a boot camp, three month boot camp to be a data scientist and got her job afterwards. And there's something that really excited me from that conversation because it gave me a path. And the cool thing there is that when you have a path, you can achieve things, you can execute on that path. But if you don't have a path to get from point A to point B that's clear and kind of defined, then it's really hard to get there. So a boot camp made sense for me personally, since I couldn't go get a master's degree. I just didn't have the finances at the time. And so it was three months. I was like, okay, quit my job for three months, survive off savings and get a loan and you know do this whole thing and pay off my loan with my new income that's going to be higher. I'm curious to hear what was it that she shared with you about data science that made you excited outside of the path that I agree is critical, right? Like if you know how you can get there and accomplish your goal, then that makes it so much kind of easier even just to embark on that journey, right? It doesn't mean it's easy, but at least you have a path. So what did she share with you about data science? It was really interesting, just kind of the work that she was doing. She was talking about this project where she plotted all these points kind of in this 3D space. And then the shape of the points she was talking about, like, it's like this cone. And because it's shaped like this, it means this. And she was going into these details about the shape of the data and all these cool data points that you can infer from that. And I was like, oh, wow, this is so much cooler than automated reports in SQL or something, you know, like there's just this <laughs> level of interest and excitement there when she explained it. Okay. So this was, again, like more sophisticated data that you were then helping to to produce outside of the using the automation for reports, or that you could even more use your analytical skills to provide value to your end users? You touched on something there um, when you said provide value. I think that's something that I was really wanting at that point in my life because I saw the value that the tech teams provided to the business and how much they were, in a sense, more appreciated than our marketing group and being a marketing analyst. And so that's definitely something I chased after, was trying to provide more value. So I'm just trying to distill this a little bit more for individuals who may not be in tech right now, so that we can also make this more accessible and available to others who are maybe thinking about it, but right now don't have much understanding of what it what it's like to be in these technical roles. So now, what would you say is the biggest contribution of the data science teams to, let's say, the tech audit organizations? I think there's kind of two pieces. One of those is we can take previously very manual processes and apply a machine learning model to that and just take out hours upon hours of work that would have to be done very tedious work by an individual, more of an analyst. So there's a huge amount of time savings. And then because it's not manual and it's built in your code, it's repeatable. So if you have to run it, you know, every quarter, every year, whatever the threshold is to do any updates, that's repeatable and easy for the business. And then on the flip side, there's just a level of new insights and things that you can develop from the data 
in more of a sophisticated data science sense than in an analytics world. I think a good differentiation between the two is analytics is reporting on what happened and data science is predicting what will happen. That's a great distinction. I like that. In that regard, I partner actually with uh, several of our engineers at Product where, where I work full time to actually build out analytics. So it's a lot about what happened, but that's not necessarily data science, even though we do have data science engineers on our team. So this is great. What would you say is your most favorite part of your job that you really enjoy? I think it's the ability to learn new things almost every day. I remember previously when I was in my analyst role, I was just doing a lot of repetitive reporting and things. And I was like, wow, like it would be so great to be in a field and get paid to learn new things all the time. So yeah, very rewarding. Glad to hear that. Now, I believe you shared with me that there are actually a couple of women on your team. However, usually this is quite male-dominated field. Is that correct? Yes. I think I'm pretty lucky working at Autodesk and they are a San Francisco-based company, which may kind of make their values uh, a little bit more even as far as diversity goes on the team. But yes, I work with, or some of the people I went to school with, they work on primarily all men on the team. And I think it's a little bit different. Like there's there's just something that's easier to talk about things or ask questions to another woman on the team. I think there's something where you just don't feel like you're asking a dumb question or something. I, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's a level of comfortability there. Totally. Maybe even relatability. So I'm curious, what would you say to women who are actually thinking of entering the tech space and maybe even are thinking about these more technical roles, either on the data team, engineering, but don't necessarily hold a CS degree? I think tech is an amazing field because um, a lot of people don't have computer science degrees. They come from very diverse backgrounds, so it's easy for people to get into. So I'd say first, you know, get connected, find people in the field that you want to be in. They're going to be a great resource to understand the field better. And then also, as you dive into it personally, um, when you have questions and things, it's nice to have somebody to go to and ask rather than just trying to research everything on your own online. So get connected and then test the waters. There's so many free resources online. So, you know, take some free courses, give it a shot, see if you like learning that material and then figure out a path to get there that makes sense for you um, and make sure that each little stepping stone in that path um, clearly leads to point from point A to point B. Um, if it's a clear path, then you can get there with some hard work. <laughs> totally. Now, you mentioned a very important point, right, that many people actually don't hold a CS degree, and that shouldn't be the reason why you wouldn't try entering the field. So um, I'm curious to hear, how long did it take you to get your first job as a data scientist after you took the boot camp? Yeah, so for me, I was really lucky. I had a job or my current job at Autodesk lined up before I graduated. So I remember the the boot camp was three months, and I remember in November it was about a month and a half. And the recruiter reached out to me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is like way too early. I'm only like halfway through the boot camp." And so I, I kind of toyed with myself. I was like, "Should I respond? Should I ignore it?" And I was like, "Hang on, Emily." I was like, "It's an opportunity." take it, just treat it as practice interview if you want, but just take it and see how it goes. So I did just that and it all worked out really well and they wanted to hire me. 
So yeah, I had it lined up prior to graduation and started a month after graduating. That's fantastic. Did they reach out to you in regards to Bootcamp or did they just uh, find you online? So they just found me on LinkedIn. There was kind of a, a piece that worked out really well. My title is sales data scientist, and I had previously um, done sales in my career. So I think that was a really nice connection that they wanted somebody that understood the sales world. And there's just not a lot of data scientists that have a similar background. So that helped me stand out. Um, and then also I wrote a, a LinkedIn, like your little bio on LinkedIn. And I, I really tried to make that stand out from the crowd or just be something totally different that people would read and just kind of suck them in rather than the normal, I have a passion for data science kind of bio. <laughs> so I think that helped. Totally. So let me dive in on that a little bit more because how you position yourself and differentiate yourself from others definitely plays a big role in attracting these opportunities. So can you share some more about what you wrote in your bio? Yeah. And uh, for reference of anyone that's listening, I think I'd still have the exact same bio on my LinkedIn. So it's available to read. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so what I did was it previously I worked on flipping a house with my fiance back in Kansas City. And so I think I started off my bio with something like there's something magical that happens when you slam a sledgehammer on the ground or like breaking the bathroom tile into a lot of pieces and hauling it out to the dumpster or something like something that is just so out of place <laughs> in a sense that people are going to be like, wait, what? And just kind of keep reading a little bit more. So then I tie in working on the house and then what I've done with my sales career and like one little piece that I learned from sales, which was grit and then marketing, which was attention to detail. And then um, like, then I tying in, it into coding. So I had these different pieces in my career and I'd done different things and kind of hopped around a lot. So I wanted to phrase um, tie the value from sales and like how that's going to benefit my future career and just phrase it and bundle it all up nice and pretty so that they would understand. <laughs> I love that. You did several things very well that sometimes are harder to do. So I want to peel them a little bit more right now because this is extremely valuable, especially now that maybe many people are looking for new opportunities or now, you know, the situation is a lot challenging on the job market. So it's always good to know what successful professionals do to present themselves to um, future employers. So the one thing that you said, or like it was the, the opening line, so the novelty that I hear that kind of caught people's attention. I think it's super important, right? Like how you catch their attention and make them keep reading. But the second, what I heard is that you are actually true to who you are, right? Describing kind of your interests, but even like how, what you've learned in each of your previous experiences has helped you have this kind of well-rounded experience. So I like what you said about sales, that it taught you grid, marketing, attention to detail, and then how that kind of led you to coding and analytics. So is that something that you've learned on your own, or is that something that you have faced throughout your career experience or learned from others? Tell me more about that. So I, I mentioned I was kind of in the marketing field before. So I think there's some level of exposure I had there that it's like, okay, now I'm marketing myself. So let's take the time and like make this something interesting. I think this is a great perception to have, right? Because anytime you're putting yourself out there, basically you're presenting yourself as a potential product, right? To uh, the other individuals who can engage with you in a partnership or who you can, you know, even start working for, right? So in a, in a 
employer-employee kind of relationship. So it's a very important mindset to have, right? Like that whenever we have an opportunity to present ourselves, this is actually when we need to put our best foot forward. Yes, exactly that. And I, I was trying to tie in another personal value that I have, which is kind of treat soft skills as equally important as technical skills. Because, you know, I don't come from a computer science background, so I have to look at what I have to offer. And that is the more well-rounded individual that I am. And so articulating that in that LinkedIn bio, I thought was important so that they could understand that, you know, I'm thinking about communication and all of all of these little things that they can pick up out of what I wrote. Totally. Another thing you briefly mentioned that I want to uh, spend some time on <clears throat> is that it is true, right? That you explore different career paths before you found data science and found your path to it. And I want to talk about how it is okay to do that. And that oftentimes, especially when you're early in your career, kind of job hopping is considered as a no-no, like not a really good thing to do. And this basically can put both the candidate in a kind of a challenging spot when you're actually still trying to find yourself. However, right, you're wondering, okay, do I switch now? Or like, how does it look on my resume? And sometimes this can lead to bad decisions, right? When you stay in your career that is not fulfilling, and then you're too concerned to switch later on once you have invested many years. It's so much, I would say, better to do those switches early on and then find your path that maybe you can stick to for some time, but even still then it's okay to, to make those changes. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on that topic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's not what I intended when I graduated college was to hop around so much. And obviously there's a lot of feelings of being lost that, you know, happened during that time. But now when I'm standing at the point I am now and I look back, I'm so thankful for those experiences that I had when I was figuring it all out because I learned so much during the time. And I think I originally started and I was like, I need to conquer what I'm bad at. And at the time that was talking on the phone, I was terrified of it. And I would write out scripts before I would call anyone. <laughs> and then I wanted to learn how to sell as well. So I jumped into sales and I was like, okay, I'm terrified of talking on the phone. Let me cold call people all day. So I literally hated my life during that time. But when you get rejected, you know, 60 times a day, every day for a year, you get thick skin. You get this level of grit that is, I think, really important to have throughout your business life where, you know, you can make mistakes, you can fail and you can brush it off and keep on chugging, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. That is such a valuable skill set to have. And I actually started in sales myself. So still <laughs> using those skills today. Yes. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's too funny. Yeah. So actually similar, like what you described, so you went from sales to marketing and to data science. I actually went from sales to marketing and then back to sales and then customer success. So I kind of did a loop around all over. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, it's, it's important to point out, like when you're early in your career, you're still trying to figure things out, right? You're figuring out the industry, you're figuring out even how does this department work, how to discern what a good company is, how to recognize them even from the interview process, which is sometimes still hard, or what are the things that you should be doing as a candidate? And it might take a while, you know, to, to learn all of these skills, right? Like there's a reason why usually once you go through this process a few times, right, you, you learn what to do, what not to do, and then, you know, you, you do much better, right? And that's basically just simply a kind of a maturity cycle. That just reminded me of a funny story when I was 
interviewing, trying to get out of my sales job, I had this idea that I couldn't say that I didn't like sales. When people are like, oh, how do you like your current company or whatever? I tried to be positive about it. And I had one guy that was interviewing me say to me, you don't have to say that you like it. If I did what you did, I would stab a pencil in my ear. (laughs) 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 Literally what he said, it made me laugh, but he made me understand that it was okay to say that I didn't like something and I was making a change to pursue something that I would like more. And so that was a valuable lesson. And I always will remember that little moment. (laughs) Yes, actually, I think this is super important, right? Because let's say when I moved to the States and and, um, also like was just starting kind of my career in here, there was a lot of insecurity that I had about not having uh, an experience from working in the U.S., especially in the first years after my graduation here. So what I learned from your story that you share is that, A, it's okay to be human and also B, it's okay to really open up because like what I was doing is that I was putting up this wall that I was this, you know, always super professional and, and also kind of very carefully about how I position things. But then you're kind of missing this very honest conversation, right? Where you're not being fully authentic or fully transparent. Of course, when you're interviewing, you want to put your best foot forward, but at the same time, you want to know where the, the boundaries are, what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do, what jobs you will accept and what you want. It almost feel like he kind of gave you permission to really be yourself and to, to say, hey, it's okay to say that that's not a direction I want to go and it's totally fine. Yeah, it sounds like you learned that too. Um, <laughs> yeah, not, not the easiest lesson to learn if you're you know sitting there and trying to play the whole game. But I think that's important what you said is being your authentic self. Most people, most companies, if you're interviewing, like they can see that and they can see if you're being authentic or not. And usually being authentic is the better option, in my opinion. Absolutely. The additional point I guess I want to make and something I experienced from my experience is that when I was looking for jobs, right, like you really want to land a great job, right? But sometimes I feel like I was making concessions on, okay, what is it I really want to do? And because I started in sales, I love sales, then I would be even selling myself on opportunities that sometimes may have not been the best or Right, where what I'm trying to fit in so much into what the company wants is that I am actually not standing up for what I want to do. So that's something maybe I want to caution any listeners uh, from doing it. You know, it's okay to walk away from opportunities that are not right for you. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I think stating what you do like and what you don't like, and just being upfront with that, I think people respect that too. Absolutely. Even let's say when we take it further to business relationships, right? And and stating what your company does and doesn't, or where you draw the boundaries with your customers and other partners, it is so important. Yes, I agree. Nice. This was a really good segue into job search and trying to navigate the whole kind of play that, you know, is is so important for, for all of us. So now I'm curious to hear. So let's say, what are some of the things that women or young professionals should keep in mind when trying to enter the tech industry, especially like when, let's say when you're interviewing for a role at a company like Autodesk, like how should they present themselves? You know, if you're getting into the field for the first time and kind of changing careers like I did, again, you kind of have to look at what you have to offer at that point. You're good enough to be dangerous, but let's be honest, you still need to be coached and like have some help to get started. Yes. The one thing is to really, um, kind of went over all of the different stakeholders during the interview process. But then when you actually start the job, this is again, like when the whole process begins again, right? Because you need to 
still win the trust of the people you work with and establish really strong partnerships with your colleagues and other people you work with. So the job is not done with getting the offer signed. It starts again on the day you start. That is that is so true. Um, yeah, I, I remember feeling such a relief when I got the job offer. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, like a huge milestone um, getting the title of data scientist and getting that level complete. But little did I know, you know, the first year on the job was going to be very intense because you're trying to impress everybody. You have that kind of imposter syndrome feeling and you want to make a good impression. But yeah, you you kind of feel like you're hiding and like people are going to find you out. Like that's the definition of imposter syndrome. So the first year is a grind. You're usually putting in a lot of extra hours and things because it takes you longer. You're new. You have a lot to learn, you know. Um, so it's a process, but so worth it in the end once things kind of click and you're kind of over that hump because that does happen in the tech field quite a bit. It's always kind of a learning curve to really even fill the shoes for a new role. And also, especially in the sales world, the speed is so fast, right? Like I always use, you know, I always say that we move at a speed of light and probably in many companies you may feel similarly that you need to be really on it, right? So I would say the one of the key aspects of your career success is really your ability to adapt and perform, you know, produce those results while not burning out, still taking care of yourself and make sure that this is sustainable, which sometimes is not easy to do. But <laughs> but we need to take care of that because no matter how supportive managers we may have, at the end, it's our responsibility to take care of our health. That is so true. That's something I've seen so much with myself and also a lot of people that graduated from the same boot camp with me. Just kind of like the workhorse mentality. Everyone in the beginning just works like crazy hours and it's just kind of the normal thing. Um, actually, we just hired a, another girl that went to the same boot camp a, a little bit after and we were joking. She's like, yeah, when you have 12 hours a day in a boot camp, you know, every single day and you're working 12 hours, you know, 10 isn't so bad. <laughs> Um, Ooh, yeah, we were laughing about that, but there's some truth to it, you know. <laughs> yeah, 12 hours plus boot camp, you know, that's, that's definitely a lot. And you definitely want to schedule some relaxed time, like make sure that it's um, intentional so that you can protect your own sanity and make sure that, yeah, like you're doing well yourself. Because at the end, if you're not strong, then you, you can't produce and deliver those results over and over again. That's so true. And I'm guilty of this. I think going into the next year here in January, my word of the year is going to be balanced. So that's something I need to work on as well. <laughs> yeah, it's something that we all need to work on. And, you know, there's one thing that my coach says, well, balance, like, what is that? Like, actually, now I don't really sign up into the understanding of balance, because that means like you have kind of equality on both sides. And that's not really ever the case, right? Like it's up and down and sometimes it's okay. And it goes up and down and it's like a sinusoid, right? <laughs> it keeps changing, right? Because our life keeps changing and evolving and you cannot stop that. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And like not to mention coronavirus and just working from home and how you don't have a lot of other options or things to do. So I find myself working more given the circumstances with coronavirus as well. And I need to separate that a little bit better. Find some new hobbies. <laughs> yeah, no, separation can become harder. I mean, like I'm working from my living room as well. And, <laughs> you know, there are definitely days where I feel like, man, I'm just like done with this. And I just want some more normalcy. And then there are, of course, 
excuse me, other days when I know, hey, I'm just so grateful that when we're healthy, we live in a good place or both with my husband, we live in California, the weather is great and we feel lucky in so many different ways, but still like at the end, like we're all humans and uh, we do seek this level of comfort or even just the connection with others that we want to nurture. So it's definitely not easy these days. So true. So true. Yeah. Um, wow. Like I think you, you brought up so many great points today from data science to growing in your career or breaking into the, the new field. Uh, this was such a diverse conversation. Uh, is there something you'd like to share with the listeners that we maybe haven't spoken about, but would be important to mention? I would say like this whole idea of, I call it like life design. I wish it was more common term because I've tried to Google it before and I've like, there's this desire in me to like read all these articles about it that, but they don't seem to exist. But yeah, just like the idea of um, like dreaming of the life that you want um, and chasing it down. Um, You know, if you want a career that's more flexible, tech is a great field for that. If you want to make a higher income, like figure out what your interests are and figure out which path or what kind of field would would work for you. What's the path to get there? Um, But the idea of not being complacent. And I think maybe as women, we're more complacent naturally than men. I think we tend to look at like the good side of things more and like spin a positive light on it. But, you know, if you find what frustrates you, like frustration is a great motivator. And sometimes things frustrate you um, very easily, or sometimes you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper to see what might be frustrating. But that's a really great motivator to change and to dream of a better life and chase that down. I love that. Would you say that that was the fuel that inspired you to pursue the data science path? Yeah. In that frustration, one of them was finances. Being an Excel analyst, you're not making a a ton of money and the bills are tight and that type of thing. So I just, I didn't want that financial stress in my life. I just wanted to be financially comfortable. And that was probably the biggest driver. And then also just being more ingrained in the workday and like being excited about your work. Because let's face it, you know, you're working 40 hours a week, every week for the rest of your life. It's best to do something that you find enjoyable. So I think those were the two drivers there. 100%. Frustration or anger, can be great fuels for you to actually change your life for the better, right? So instead of getting resentful, you can use that as an opportunity to, to change things. So at the end, it's it's all about perception. So I love that perspective you shared with us. Well, since this is a Fearless Warrior podcast, I'm curious to hear what is your definition of a warrior? Being a warrior to me means fighting for the life that you want. And sometimes it is a fight. Things aren't easy, especially if you're going into a new area. Um, You know, it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, It's going to be stressful. It's going to be difficult. There are moments that um, you know, you're just, you're just going to look dumb if you're trying to get into this new thing. You don't know everything. So you have to be okay with all of the above and just know that those pieces are necessary to get to the end result of where you want to go and where you're trying to grow as a person. So yeah, I would say fighting for the life that you want and really digging your heels in to get there. I love that. I like it how you described it. Hey, it's not going to be all rosy. It'll be days you will not know everything, but that's okay. It's part of the journey. 
continue. <laughs> that means you're on the right path. <laughs> yes, yes. Fantastic. So Emily, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? I would say LinkedIn is the best way. And yeah, it'd be nice if anybody does reach out just to mention that you heard the podcast and then I know kind of where you're coming from. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. It was such a pleasure. I think we discussed so many different topics and hopefully this can provide a value to, to many um, out there listening and wanting to make a move into the tech world. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daniela. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me and most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember, now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, Think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.